From the mouth breathers to the idiots, from TV to print, this is the Entitled Podcast Network, and this is Entitled Weekend. And welcome to Entitled Weekend. We've been away for a while, but there has been a lot of developments as far as the Patriots are concerned. Um, there's a possibility that DeAndre Hopkins is coming. There's, well, a whole lot of mess with Albert Breer, but when when is that never the case? <laughs> and other things, too. Got Robin Mark here. And guys, let's first start with DeAndre Hopkins and, of course, OTAs. But we'll start with DeAndre Hopkins because that's been the big um, to do, especially over the last week or so since he visited the facility. Um, we were talking about this before the show. I was, I was, I was just about to put this to the side and be like, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard this a thousand times. He's going to be here, whatever, whatever, whatever. But what, as soon as I heard that he was visiting, I was like, I need to put more. <clears throat> I need to put more thought into this because maybe it's possible. And now I really think it's possible. <laughs> what do you think? Well, um, not only do I think it's possible, like I actually am starting to like feel like it's going to happen, you know, and it's I'm just like you, Shaq, it, it all started with the visit, you know, like I don't remember the last time the Patriots like when these free agents go on these tours. I don't remember the last time the Patriots actually had one in for a tour. The last time I can really remember that happening is Rodney Harrison, maybe. Um, but that was during the offseason, if I'm not mistaken, when they did that with him. But even when Belichick and the Patriots went out and spent all that money in free agency a couple of years ago, I don't, they didn't like have Hunter Henry in. They didn't have these guys in. They just signed them, you know? So the fact that they're like engaging in this whole like tour part of it and the fact that, I mean, it's an absolutely perfect situation for both Hopkins and the Patriots. The Patriots could really use somebody exactly like him. They have the money to do it where it won't even bother them. They have plenty of cap space next year, too, and the following year, and the cap's going to keep going up. So they could conceivably sign him to whatever it is that he wants with like 13, 14, 15 million, whatever it is, spread it out if they want to. Don't spread it out if they don't want to. They, I mean, they could do it easily without batting an eyelash. It seems like he and Belichick like each other. It seemed, you know, when he gave his list of things he was looking for in the team you know good defense strong organization quarterback who loves the the game all that sort of stuff um he sounded to me like he was describing the patriots so once they announced they had a visit coming now i'm like i put myself in the position i didn't want to be in where i'm gonna be like really bummed out if (laughs) if they don't sign him but i think if you add him to what they currently have in that wide receiver room i think they would be i think that would be fantastic but yeah, no, I'm in agreement with Rob. Uh, I I think with the the visit, there's first of all, let's get this out of the way right off the bat. The stuff from Mike Florio, where uh, he's uh, trying to imply that the Patriots would bring in DeAndre Hopkins uh, as a means to try and uh, make one of their other division rivals overpay for him. What the hell are you talking about? Like, how desperate are you to get clicks for your website? It's already difficult enough for uh, you know the Buffalo to create the cap space that they need to bring in Hopkins because all their big you know restructures or uh, or you know anything like that have, have been done. So I, I don't know what you're talking about there, but also 
why would the Patriots deliberately waste their own time like this? It just it, it makes no sense because just in in general, if if they just leak to the press that they're interested in in Hopkins, that does the job there. So the idea that they're deliberately wasting their own time with a visit is just ridiculous. But I've always had Hopkins since they were really started to be linked to him like towards the end of the season, especially after that Monday night uh, game where uh, unfortunately Kyler Murray tore his ACL, but uh, you know, you had Hopkins and Belichick on the, the mic'd up, uh, you know, talking about how much they, they, you know, appreciate each other. I've always kind of had him in that nice to have category. Like, Oh God, this would be great because despite what people are trying to put out there on social media, Hopkins can still play. He can still be a difference maker uh, despite being 31. But you know, it would kind of break the mold, uh, break a trend for them to, you know, go out of their way to get him. And that's why I never expected them to trade for him. And neither did any any other team because they called Arizona's bluff. Like, you're not going to trade for someone uh, with that much uh, money left in his contract, give up an asset when you know that, especially when Arizona was apparently trying to get like at least a second round pick, multiple picks for him. Like, you're not going to give up an, an incredibly valuable asset in that situation. So everyone kind of knew that he'd eventually, you know, go for maybe a late seventh if, if Arizona really dropped their demands or would get waived like he did. And then once that happens, you don't really have too high of expectations either because you think, okay, well, maybe he will sign a very cheap one year deal with Kansas City or Buffalo or, uh, you know, uh, Philadelphia who. I mean, has the cap space as well. Like, you know, just a, a team that's right there that, you know, maybe he'll sign for a year to, to to ring chase. And now it's becoming pretty evident that, you know, he's not necessarily saying I'll go anywhere, but he, you know, he wants to to get a significant contract again. Uh, as Rob pointed out, he, you know, made his, he, he was very clear about saying, I don't need to go play with an elite quarterback. I've done it with bums is basically what he said. Uh, pretty much talking about any Texans quarterback who ever lived outside of uh, uh, the the Predator. Um, but you know, so he, he, I, I genuinely think he's, he's obviously interested enough to visit. I think that if you get him in in the building, you know, he and O'Brien hash things out, who knows how, how bad that relationship actually was. We all know how the media can lie. Uh, but you know, they talk about the type of fit he has in the offense. I have a feeling that in order to take a visit, he already has a sense for what they would pay him. I don't think you're getting on a plane without having some sort of, uh, you know, basis for what the financial, uh, you know, the finances will be. I think that they can make a compelling pitch about how he'd be using this offense. And yeah, I, I kind of think they're going to sign him to now as well. And so a lot of, a lot of people are saying, well, if they sign him, then they'll have to let go of DeAndre Parker or somebody like that, or Devontae Parker or or something of that nature. Um, I don't want to release DeAndre Parker, uh, Devontae Parker. I keep saying DeAndre, um, especially you know when you consider uh, Hopkins's health. I mean, he's he's coming off of uh, what was this? Was it an injury or suspension? I believe. I think it's in suspension. It was a PED thing. He missed like right, I think it was six suspension. weeks. Right. So uh, 31 years old. So I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm all for it, really. I mean, the, I think that he's he's definitely he's going to be motivated because there are a lot of people who are usually that way when they're of that nature, especially, you know, of the offensive 
capabilities, you know, running backs, wide receivers. Once they get to that point in their career, they're 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 in the prove it phase. And I think Hopkins will get the money regardless of where he goes. But I think him going to the Patriots will be, I think it'll be it'll and not in not and not in the Randy Moss vein, but I think it'll be in the same era where you know people are doubting him, people are people are putting him to this to the wayside. And I think that it's the perfect opportunity for him. It's more of an opportunity. Every every other team is like, okay, well, you expect him to go to the Bills, you expect him to go to the Chiefs because okay, yeah. But the Patriots are that team that everyone's doubting anyway. And we'll get to that in a moment, you know, Bills fans and others alike. But I think that if he goes to the Patriots, I think it's it's good for his Q rating, especially if he comes in guns a blazing and does well. Yeah, I think, too, the other reason why I'm starting to feel like they're really going to sign him is the about face done by the Boston media, where at first it was, oh, Belichick's too cheap to sign him, so we're going to pump his tires. You know, oh, DeAndre Hopkins is exactly what they need, which is why the Patriots won't get And now all of a sudden it's, you know, oh, they don't need him. He's washed and all that. But if you look at his numbers from last year, and I mean, in the nine games, if you extrapolate those out, he would have had like 1,350 yards receiving and like six touchdowns with, with who? Uh, Colt McCoy and David Blau throwing to him, you know, I mean, he can clearly get, still get the job done, especially, and I don't really necessarily think they would have to get rid of Devontae Parker. I think that would be the easy kind of one for one swap if they wanted to do that. Cause I think they would save the, the Parker contract, but they have, they have the luxury of having enough cap space to where they don't necessarily have to do that. They could basically let the two rookies they drafted kind of fight it out. And one of them gets a roster spot and the other one goes to the practice squad if they wanted to do it that way. But um, yeah, it's the, the about face by the media is hysterical. And also by uh, Bills and Chiefs fans too. At first it was Hopkins will put us over the top. And now it's, oh yeah, you know, th- yeah, let him go to the New England Patriots. He's washed, you know? And it's like all that sort of talk makes me think that, uh, you know, this is for real. I absolutely agree. Uh, f- first of all, uh, as it relates to, uh, you know, you need to cut someone to to bring in Hopkins, uh, like you guys were alluding to. I don't know why people are are just like in mid June, mind you, automatically, uh, you know, trying to to you know cut Bourne or trade Bourne or or uh, or you know cut or trade Parker. It, it's easy enough, uh, especially with uh, with with both of them. You uh, with Bourne, you would have very minimal. I think like one point four million in, in dead cap space. Uh, and with Parker, as Rob pointed out, none, like literally no dead cap space if you were to cut or trade him. But it's mid-June. Like, why Why are you just going to get rid of a useful player uh, because Hopkins is added? You don't need to. As Rob pointed out, you can cr- still create cap space in addition to having enough right now. They have a number of ways they can do that that they haven't taken advantage of yet. So, you know, you can still create cap space uh, to, to bring Hopkins in and then – Training camp and preseason are brutal, man. Like, I, I don't want to put anything sinister out into the universe, but injuries happen. So, you know, getting rid of a player before you need to and then someone gets hurt, suddenly you're kind of behind the eight ball again. So, yeah, I don't think that the Patriots, especially given that they have an open roster spot right now, they're only 89 players, like, they can easily just bring Hopkins in if he wants to sign here and compete. And, I mean... I could see them going into the uh, season with a group of these five receivers, you know, and in that case uh, you have to try and sneak both of those rookie wide receivers, maybe onto the practice squad or one of them gets the Foxborough flu, uh, you know, and you, know, you, you try and develop them for, for another year. 
Uh, you obviously risk losing them if you try and sneak them onto the practice squad. But I mean, that group of five receivers with Thornton, Bourne, Smith, Schuster, uh, Parker, and Hopkins, uh, especially with your your Gesicki's basically another receiver too, but he is a tight end. But you know, Henry and Gesicki. I mean, God, those those that's a great group of pass catchers. So I mean, I I wouldn't subtract from that group if I didn't have to. Uh, and you know, Belichick's much smarter than us. I think he knows that too. So, uh, yeah, I, and as it relates to the the about face, uh, like Rob was talking to as well, it's just, it's so typical. How do people still willingly consume EEI or 98.5? If you're a listener, they're actively mocking you. I mean, none of our listeners would actually listen to that dribble, but, uh, you know, in case you know a listener, like... It, Not willingly. <laughs> yeah, they're actively mocking you. You know, like, oh, Bill's too cheap to bring in this guy. Oh, shit. It looks like he's actually going to visit. Oh, well, why would I? Now, Mike Felger, I don't want this guy anymore. I don't want him now. Oh, why? Because that goes against your agenda that Belichick is this senile old man who's uh, lost touch of uh, how to build a roster. No, like enough with this shit. And yeah, the, the Buffalo beat writers who's trying to dunk on Patriots fans on, on Twitter, uh, Oh yeah, you know, we, uh, you're still the fourth best team in the division. Uh, okay, so just in even if that were true, which I don't, I'm not convinced it is. The concept of trying to improve it your team because there's there there are no standings right now. But everyone's zero and zero. So exactly, but like you shouldn't try to improve your roster because uh, you know the other the other teams in the division might be. Uh, better set up than you that makes zero sense these are competitors uh so this this notion that oh well yeah he's not going to help the patriots anyway uh, i don't even know why they're trying to add him get over yourselves so yeah I, I just think everyone's really telling on themselves with this sequence of events and now especially that it looks like i mean again if hopkins is interested enough to get on a plane and come to foxborough massachusetts uh in in mid-june and at the start of minicamp uh, mind you, uh, you know, he'll be able to see practice in person. It's very real. And uh, yeah, I, I will be pretty let down now if it doesn't happen, because uh, I just I'm I've always admired his game. And uh, to have a, a game breaker like that, like you said, Shaq, it's not like 2007 Moss, but it's kind of near that echelon uh, where he still has he has a chip in his shoulder. He can still play at a high level and he could be the piece that, that this offense needs to, at the very least, what's the thing that everyone has always said about the Patriot offense? Oh, you don't have a player you have to plan for. Uh, that's what the, people have tried to say over the last couple of years. Well, that's a player you have to plan for. So uh, it adds another dimension. And I am more bullish on this Patriots team than uh, than a lot of people. And I think that, that uh, this would make them a playoff team for sure. And the biggest addition is, in my opinion, Bill O'Brien, because that's an addition that is – I mean, look, I'm 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 a Matt Patricia guy, so I don't care what anyone says. I'm I'm always been a Matt Patricia guy, but it was it was a nice thing that happened last year, but it just didn't uh, pan out the way it was supposed to. But with Bill O'Brien, I think that things are more cohesive. You can already see it in OTAs; things are are a lot more cohesive. People are are where they're supposed to be, and it's on the right it's on the right track so you can already see the difference that he's making um speaking of OTAs uh we have to talk about the idiocy that happened with the Patriots being violated missing two days of OTAs because of what turned out to be 
a a 15 minute special teams meeting scheduled by Jill Judge. That's that's what it turned out to be. Um, but of course, the way the media reacts, it 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 was way more than that. It was you know, all Patriots are cheaters, blah blah blah, OTA gate, uh, all this mess. And if you Google, you know, something that you know it apparently exists, but people don't want to use. Um, if you Google, this wasn't the first time or the second time that it's happened. It's happened to multiple teams over the last few years. Um, just a few examples, um, recent violators of this, the Cowboys in 2021 and 22, the Bears last year, Commanders, Texans last year, the 49ers in 2021, the Jaguars in 2021, the Ravens in 2018, and the Seahawks in 2016. So it's... You know, maybe it's miscommunication regarding the rules with new, regarding the new coaches, but the media try to make it out to be it's just unbelievable error on the part of the Patriots, and I think it's an unbelievable error on the part of the NFL because if, if the Patriots aren't the only team dealing with this, and 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 Bill Belichick had to give up fifty thousand dollars, which is you know to all of us that's very substantial to him. You know, it's all right, but. Even still, it's fifty thousand dollars for for what turned out to be fifteen minutes. It it's unbelievable, isn't it? Well, I mean, the, there's a few things with this. Number one, the punishment clearly doesn't fit the crime. You know, it was absolute lunacy that a fifteen minute meeting results in losing the OTA practices and all that. But it also, to me, it it shines a really bright light once again on just how awful the NFL players union is. You know that that they're going to waste their time over a 15 minute special teams meeting when, and I thought Matthew Slater articulated this very eloquently when he was asked about the the changes to the kickoff rules, you know, and, you know, basically saying it's a joke that that's, they're going to do this in the name of player safety. Yet they're going to do like flex scheduling on Thursday nights and things like that. Like for the NFL players association to pay that much attention to a 15 minute meeting where players are just sitting in a room basically going over whatever they were going over. And yet they're completely silent on flexing Thursday night games and all the other things that the NFL's done over the, the past few years, you know, is it's just mind boggling to me. And then the final thing on this is this from like February until right now is one of the most aggravating times to be a Patriots fan or an NFL fan because the media is just scrambling for something to get clicks. So they take little stories like this and completely blow them up into, you know, into these monsters. Oh, the Patriots are at it again and blah, blah, blah. And like you just said, Shaq, you know, there's been multiple teams who have done things just like this and even worse, you know, during OTAs and nothing ever happens. And then, you know, they'll take a story like, Oh, Lamar Jackson's coming to the Patriots. Like, that's just ludicrous, but they'll, they run with these stories because it's, there's nothing else for them to talk about. So rather than get creative and actually do their job, they take something like a 15 minute special teams meeting and make it seem like, you know, the Patriots are back at it again. And it's just, it's so aggravating. And it's, it's just so typical of, you know, of where we are with the NFL media and the Boston media specifically. Yeah. You make a great point, Rob especially when it comes to the NFL media just trying to take any bit of content and turn it into a story. I mean, I referenced Florio earlier. I think Florio has had at least three or four different posts about 
the uh, DeAndre Hopkins visit to Foxborough uh, in different form or fashion since uh, you know since the, the news originally broke. Like, there's nothing new to report on this. Stop making opinion pieces out of uh, out of uh, you know a, a little nugget of news. But despite that, and despite how desperate NFL media is for content, like you guys just referred to. These types of OTA violations have happened with a handful of different teams over the last few years, and we didn't see this type of reaction for any of them. Despite the need for stories, for content, we didn't see a big deal made about the Seahawks, about the Cowboys. It was reported. No one really reacted to it, and it just it just died. Meanwhile, those violations while still fairly minor, they uh, a lot of them revolved around like uh, you know you shouldn't uh, be allowed full contact at certain uh, portions of o- of OTAs, and uh, there was a violation there. Like the, it, it actually involved what they were doing on the field, whereas this was again a 15 minute special teams meeting that they didn't know was optional, like a, a miscommunication uh, that they should still should have you know had figured out. But regardless, and because Bill Belichick doesn't uh, you know fall on the sword and say, oh my God, I'm so incompetent. The Greg Bedards and the local media of the world, they try and admit, well, why isn't he talking about this? Why isn't he, uh, uh, you know, being accountable for, uh, you know, for this error, which he was, by the way, he said, hey, the buck stops with me. So, you know, I am responsible regardless of who scheduled the meeting. But to my larger point, everyone, all these skeptics out there who keep saying, you Patriots fans, you have uh, a persecution complex Again, just look at what we're presented with. We don't have a persecution complex. It keeps happening. People try and turn a nothing burger of a story into this, you know, more than a week, almost two weeks worth of uh, of coverage of this inse- inconsequential, uh, you know, fine and uh, and penalty that no one's going to remember. Uh, and, and, you know, I forgot all about before Shaq brought it up. Um, and... Meanwhile, other teams do the same, if not worse, things, just like with, you know, with puffs of air coming out of a football. And it's made into uh, a mountain is made out of a molehill and nothing else is, is made out of, uh, you know, other teams who are actually trying to doctor footballs. It, it just it's the same thing all over again. And that's why to anyone who keeps trying to, to claim that, you know, Patriots fans are, are uh, you know, they're, they're full of it. The thing, thing that uh, anyone's out to get them. No, it. It happens all the time, and the media knows, hey, we can play up this Patriots story. We're going to get clicks. We're going to get listeners because people hate this team outside of in the region of New England, and they, that's what they always do. So, yeah, it, it is utterly ridiculous. Now let's talk about uh, – well, Albert Breer has had a, a really unbelievable week. Uh, first, uh, he wrote this ridiculous article in Sports Illustrated, uh, MMQB, um, where he's at Patriots OTAs, which how how did he how did you know Stacey James? Please stop giving these people who who are just idiots. Stop giving them media passes because they're not doing anything worthwhile using them. But anyway, uh, it uh, the headline on Twitter says Albert Breer visits Patriots OTAs, where Matt Jones clearly looks like New England starting quarterback, plus much more in this week's takeaways, and. One of the commenters very smartly says that it was a media creation that there was some sort of quarterback competition. Matt Jones was always going to be the starter, just fake news. Correct. Because, yeah, there, there was there was no 
back and forth. Like it, it's it's true. And then Albert Breer, in all his uh, ass holiness, says this was never a media creation in any way. I and I think fans who say it was have their heads in the clouds. Bill Belichick has been given multiple opportunities by the media to declare Matt Jones a starter. Instead, he left the door wide open for competition. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Albert Breer, for giving Bill Belichick permission. Thank you for giving him opportunities to say things. Like, if it wasn't because of you, we would never know anything else. What would we do without you, Albert Breer? Well, the other Breer headline is even worse than that. I mean... Oh, let's, we'll, let's, we'll get to it, Rob. We'll get uh, to it. Let's, I, I let's just want just, you to talk about this one because yeah, because, well, we can go through like the narratives that and, we've had to in that, deal with. And in and in and in that comment section, like <laughs> there was not one person who was like, "Yeah, Bri, I agree with you." Everyone was saying, "You made it up. You and your ilk uh, made this up." <laughs> exactly, and that's what they do. I mean, if you look at the narratives, Bill's on the hot seat, totally fabricated and made up because he's not on the hot seat. You know. Uh, Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones are in a heated battle. Who's going to start for No, they're not. You know, Mac Jones and Bill Belichick hate each other. No, they don't. You know, and even if they did, he and Brady didn't exactly see either. They weren't on the same bowling team either, yet they seem to do all right together. It's like, it's just this fabricated nonsense. And then you get these, fa- and then Greer acting all shocked and shaken that somebody would call him out on his absolute bullshit. You know, they, oh, it's not a media doesn't make things up. Really? Last time I checked, John Tomasi still employed by the Boston media. Last time I checked, Ben Volan is still on the Patriots beat. Give me a break with your righteous indignation, Albert. You know, like that's all Breer does. And, and you listen to the way he couches everything. Well, you know, according to somebody who's close to the building around the team and near someone who's close to the, you know, it's like he never can like just say according to a source, you know, because he has no sources. Who the hell's talking to Albert Breer? In, in the Patriots front office. Nobody. Absolutely nobody. That's the, and the, the problem with these guys is there's just, and you know what? Why wouldn't they make shit up? There's no accountability. It's not like any of them get fired. You know, even Volan. Volan did, you know, did the unthinkable and he's still on the beat. <laughs> he's still the senior NFL writer for the Boston Globe. That whole profession is laughable, you know, and Breer is, is rapidly climbing, you know, the, asshole of the year list you know he's he's catching greg bedard which i wasn't think i didn't think was possible but Breer is definitely uh making a late charge yeah first of all with volan uh, again in the latest example of my diminished but still you know active hope for humanity just click on the replies of any ben volan tweet now anything that he's reporting and the amount of responses of did someone dm this to you or oh did this come from the equipment uh uh manager uh you know the uh, the guy who uh who mows the lawns uh outside patriot place like people just give him shit relentlessly now and thank god like maybe that will actually help influence a little bit of change like oh man i'm just gonna get harassed when I'm caught lying. So maybe I shouldn't lie so much anymore. Maybe I, I I'm maybe I'm, I'm asking too much of uh, Ben Volan, but as it relates to the Breer stuff, yeah. It, it Can we just get this out of the way now? Because I, I, I hate this notion. Oh, Bill Belichick was given his chance to, uh, to declare his undying love for Mac Jones and he didn't do it. Football is a performance based venture. Okay. There is zero point to declaring someone your starter. 
okay, at any position, because it inherently takes away any motivation for the incumbent to work any harder, number one, and for any, you know, for Bailey Zappi in this case to try and up his game, you know, is Bailey Zappi the backup quarterback of this team as opposed to the starter? Yes. Should he still prepare as if he, he's the starter? Yes. Because you're always one snap away from being in there, as we saw just this past season. So you want him to prepare. But it, in Mac Jones's case, who cares if, if he's declared the starter or not? All right. Maybe he's told that behind closed doors. All right. We're, we don't need to be privy to all the conversations that they have in there. But even if he's not, guess what? You want someone always with a chip on your shoulder on, on their shoulder. You want them always thinking my job could be taken if my performance slips. So the the idea that you should butter someone up and be, hey, you're our guy, uh, is just utterly laughable. Again, at any position. So this, you know, it is media created the fact the the notion again that Bill Belichick has to openly declare Mac Jones is starting quarterback. If Mac Jones performs the best, as we expect him to, out of the group of quarterbacks they have on their roster, he's going to start. If Bailey Zappi begins to vastly exceed Mac Jones's play, which we don't expect to see, but remains a possibility, guess who's going to start? Bailey Zappi. So th- this th- th- this entitlement that uh, that the media has. That they think that uh, that you know, oh, we te- we teed up Bill Belichick. Uh, he didn't give us the uh, the juicy answer we were looking for. So we're gonna uh, you know claim that he has no confidence in Mac Jones. It's just so utterly laughable. Again, I'm not calling Mac Jones Tom Brady. Don't get this notion that I'm calling Mac Jones Tom Brady. But what was one of the things that always drove Tom Brady? The fact that Bill Belichick gave him the idea that he was replaceable. You know, oh, we could bring in Johnny Foxborough from down the street to do your job. It's not about being their best friend. It's not. A, you know, it's not about buttering them up. It's about making sure that someone always is competing for their job. All right. It's never a given. It's performance based. So I am just so utterly sick and tired of the Albert Breers and uh, and and all of the local and national media types trying to insist that they're owed these answers and like, oh well, you know, we gave him the chance to do it. He didn't do it. Enough. Well, and now back to well, I mean, NBC takes Boston is just it's just a a conveyor belt of shit takes just all the time. Just they they had an unbelievable take of the. I'm, I'm not going to play it because I mean, I, maybe I'll play another one. But this one, you have Tommy Kern and Phil Perry talking about how it's it's concerning that the Patriots had a scuffle that it you know. Who, oh my God! Football players fighting in the heat of the sun. Can, what? Surely you jest. That, that's an, what an unbelievable crime for football players to be fighting in June. It, it, that that's how that's how bottom of the barrel they're reaching, folks. I'm, it's unheard of, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> what are we talking yeah. about? Like, you know, when uh, when they first brought Rodney Harrison in. Uh, you can watch it. There's multiple documentaries. Brady has uh, Brady's documentary, that Man in the Arena one, where he actually has an entire episode with Rodney Harrison in it. They talk about it. They talk about how, you know, when when Harrison first came in and they were in these June OTAs where no one had pads on. 
He was throwing elbows at Troy Brown. He was knocking Kevin Falk on his ass. There were fights every single day. And Troy Brown's like, and then you look over at Bill Belichick and he's just smiling. That's what Troy Brown says. Like, this is not only common, it's encouraged in Belichick's world. Like, he he's from the old school, that Parcells sort of, you know, toughness, mental and physical toughness and all that sort of thing. And this is where you start to build that stuff. Now, I mean, I'm sure he doesn't want Christian Barmore throwing haymakers at a guy wearing a helmet. You know, that's not exactly the, you know, probably what he's looking for. But pushing and shoving and all that sort of stuff, of course they're going to get into that. It's football. It's a contact sport. But again, it's just that it's that search for something to talk about. It's that search for and they can never find something, you know, that's that's right in front of their face that they can talk about that might be a positive. You know, like, for example, I was listening to uh, something on the Patriots website, one of their like little podcast things on the website. And they were talking about how how uh, Mac Jones at the end of a practice practice was over. Everybody had gone inside, stayed out for like 45 minutes with two receivers and just kept working. And it started raining and it's pouring rain. He's still out there working and doing all sorts of stuff. Why is that the first time that I heard that? You know, like instead we're talking about Cole Strange and uh, whoever it was uh, pushing and shoving. And it's just, it's such lunacy. I mean, they just, they have to drum up some sort of controversy. I think it's in their contracts. Yeah, it's so petty, and I, I got the clip, so maybe I, I will have to expose you guys to it because it's just so bad. But everything on NBC Takes is. You two were at practice today. Phil, you were tweeting about it. What did you see? Is this something that we should look at and be like, huh, why is this happening in OTAs on a not hot day? I think that's fair. I've talked to a couple players. Yeah, because because players don't fight. On, players fight, fight in cold. Don't, they can't fight when it's, when it's 50 degrees or 60 degrees, right? Jesus players since this happened and the word that came back to me was competitiveness and that this thing tends to happen at times I guess although I can't remember happening all that much at OTAs when there are no pads on because the lines are blurred a little bit right between what's okay contact and what's not okay contact so I think that's what you had between Jennings and Cole Strange but Tom what I would say is a little situational awareness would be good this isn't exactly the most buttoned up OTA session that the Patriots have had the last thing you want right now is the NFLPA calling and saying, guys, what's going on with all the physicality of practice? Yeah, 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 Phil Perry. Bill Belichick needs situational awareness because he has none. In his 60 years of coaching, he, he has no situational awareness. Un- unfucking believable. Uh, what, what's what's their angle here? Basically, are, are they trying to claim that the, the fight isn't okay because it's happening at OTAs as opposed to training camp where we see fights every single year from multiple teams? Is that basically what they're trying to say? Uh, that because the, the training camp fights happen with pads on and, uh, and these ones have no pads that it's somehow worse. I think that's the point they're making, which is, ridiculous <laughs> like <laughs> right? talk I mean, about reaching talk about reaching for content uh, when when th- when that's your take i mean and i know that they also tried to push the the whole oh well this isn't good that they're fighting even though you know the cam newton josh norman fight in panthers training camp was one of like the most iconic images uh that we've ever seen with cam newton smiling uh while he's piled driving (laughs) josh norman into the turf and then oh by the way they went to the super bowl that year uh so like uh, the 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 notion that uh that regardless of when it happens that uh that a a fight between teammates is uh indicative of any larger problem it's so dumb and again they're just 
they're reaching so hard enough reaching for content you know all, all we hear about is that OTAs don't matter when when you know uh, good things happen and we'll, but when bad things happen they are you know the be all end all I can't stand it but there's more <laughs> we already docked you two practices here yeah I, I think the context of it is is very important because you know people I talk to I was over at Trader Joe's and I, I, there was a scrap out there I, yeah that was, <laughs> that's good that's what this team needs I'm like well yeah, I get it in the context of you're in close quarters and you're doing something physical and someone might push and you react. That is, to a degree, well and good. On the other hand, Phil's point is a good one. It's kind of non-contact. This is going to send up a red flag to the league and say, well, what the hell's going on over there? Additionally, when a player escalates it to not being directly involved, as Christian Barmore does, and he really was on the outside of the pile and threw a punch from behind, and that's like... Okay, pushing, shoving, we get that. People get excited. Throwing haymakers at your teammates when they're wearing helmets when you're a third-year player who's supposed to be pretty good, it's beyond the pale. Beyond the pale. That, that, that <laughs> the word choice there is like... Well, Phil Perry, what I think, uh, if that's the same clip I'm thinking of, or he might have been somewhere else where he went a little further with it and said that it was okay when the Patriots were fighting in OTAs in the 2000s, because that team was good. <laughs> so let me get this straight. So if the team is in your eyes good and it happens a month later, it's good. Like, I mean, I don't understand how, how they think. I don't understand how people watch that and don't kind of be like, what? It's just bizarre. You could spend your, your evenings doing so much more enjoyable things than watching Phil Perry and Tom Curran just stretch this subject matter like a piece of Play-Doh. Uh, I mean, you could watch diners, drive-ins, and dives and have a much more enjoyable <laughs> night. Uh, like, like what's going on here? Oh, my God. The, the, the way that they're – and can we just talk about the fact that Tom Curran is having uh, enlightened football discussions with uh, some random guy at Trader Joe's? Like <laughs> – Oh, yeah. Oh, that's who he's getting his wisdom from. That probably explains a lot. Oh, and then this another clip I want to play from NBC Takes is this. And before we get to one more brief story and then we'll be done. Um, it, it's really funny because if you right, like you said, Mark, if if you watch an entire day and. And like, if you do like from that movie with the guy with the eyes turned back, if you did that for an entire day, you wouldn't know what these people were saying. Because one day, one moment, one hour, they're saying all the negative character about the Patriots. Then the next moment, they're saying stuff like this, where, you know, they've had enough, Tom Curran has had enough of the Mac Jones, Bill Belichick relationship. And do they like each other? We have immediately leapfrogged from the lily pad of Mac's going to be traded during the draft, which a million people ran around with that sign raised over their heads, to now Bill hates Mac and what's it mean? I-D-G-A-F, and you shouldn't either. Here's why. The Yeah, you talk, yes, talk, talk in, um, in abbreviations. That makes you cool. That makes, that makes you hip and young, Tommy. We have immediately <laughs> leapfrogged from the lily pad of Mac's going to be traded during the draft, which a million people ran around with that sign raised over their heads, to now Bill hates Mac and what's it mean? I-D-G-A-F.
F, and you shouldn't either. <laughs> Here's why. The back half of the Patriots dynasty was comprised by the greatest head coach of all time and the greatest quarterback of all time, not really liking each other a whole hell of a lot. Tom Brady once said to me in 2016, weirdest guy I've ever met. It's what I've been living for 16 years. And he spent three more years of it. It doesn't matter. The guys that he liked were Cam Newton and Jimmy Garoppolo. So what's that tell you? It doesn't matter. There's no come to Jesus meeting. There's no embrace. There's no getting into Bill's head and channeling whether he personally likes him or not. Get out of seventh grade for a minute. Isn't it amazing how the people who, after 20 years, it was always do Tom Brady and Bill Belichick like each other. And now the people who manufacture the controversy are now sick of the controversy they manufactured. <laughs> I mean, are we living in a different multiverse or something? Like, what the hell? <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. Like, did we just fall through a cosmic rabbit hole? Is that Tom E. Curran telling us that contrived narratives are bullshit? <laughs> like, thanks for, we've been waiting for you, Tom. Thanks for coming on board. You know, how about you stop perpetuating them? How about you stop pushing them? How about we go there? How about you lean over to your buddy, Phil Perry, and say, hey, how about you stop doing it too? What is he talking about? You know, why don't you, you know, he, this is the guy who, who uses Albert Breer as a source. You know, what are you talking about, Curran? I mean, if we wanted to, if we wanted to do the digging, I'm sure we can find articles, videos, posts, uh, all from Tom Curran, where he peddled this same shit that he's uh, now trying to claim he's tired of. I mean, this is what they do. <laughs> they make stuff up and then it becomes like confirmation bias. And uh, and then suddenly it's, well, even though this uh, this thing is true, that's not necessarily been proven, uh, why does it matter? I, they just talk themselves in circles. I am so sick and tired of it. Uh, so like I, I can't even give Curran credit for coming on board because who knows if he believes it himself? Oh, they just they are the worst. NBC takes his right, Shaq. That's that's all they are. It's disgusting, and th thankfully, I don't. I don't believe. I would love to see their ratings because I I doubt people that literally pay attention to it like they do on the radio because you know radio is more traditional and more accessible. This is on cable and. Not many people have it. And again, I don't think people really care about it unless the Celtics are on. So yeah. Uh, thankfully, yeah, nobody watches this channel. So that Twitter is their really their only source of um exposure, which is which I find hilarious. Yeah, but, if not um, for if not for the Celtics uh, you know, game uh telecasts, uh, no one would ever watch that channel. And and they like you said, they they do resort to to Twitter to to get their their takes out there and get some sort of engagement. It's awful. Yeah. So uh the last thing is well, let's go, let's circle back to Mr. Menacing himself, Albert Breer. And uh this was really surprising when I saw this on Twitter that um Jack Jones uh was responding to and it wasn't a quote tweet. It was just a response to something that Albert Breer had said. I guess it was in a article. And well, the quote was, it says, the Jack Jones thing, my understanding of how that went, he was late to rehab sessions. He missed rehab sessions. And I even think, see, those are the key words. I even think he talked back to Bill a little bit about it to the point where Bill felt he had to address it in a team meeting two Fridays ago. 
So, and then Jack Jones responds, says, I never mouthed off at Bill. I don't know where y'all getting that from. And of course, people are referring to Albert Breer in the comments. And then he says, he blocked. I didn't even realize I'm going to unblock him. He got to see this. So I love it. I love, I love players who are getting in these media people's asses because they deserve it. And I wish more team, teams and more players and more Patriots did this because they, they deserve it. They, they, they're spreading fan fiction and lies. And it seems like they're, they feel like they're free to do this. And so I'm glad that Jack Jones did this. And then he said, uh, he added Albert Breer and said, please don't write false stories. How you portray the players to the media could help or hurt our career. I'm not asking you not to do your job, but don't lie. And that's it. Perfectly reasonable request, right? Like just you write your story, write your opinion, but stop making, stop spreading bullshit is always asking, which I don't think is like that, you know, why is that suddenly? And the other thing too, Greer doubles down too, like on the, on the radio, they bring him on the radio and of course they start peppering him with this stuff and Greer doubles down on his bullshit story, you know? And again, like I said before though, the reason he does this, the reason he's so comfortable doing this is because his metric is clearly clicks. That story is going to get clicks and there's no accountability for lying. No one's ever going to say anything to him, but you know, to Mark's point though, like the faction of the fan base that actually believes stuff is really discouraging. You know, it really is discouraging that there's actually people out there that can't see through what he is and what he's all about, you know? And if Stacey James isn't going to do anything about it and the Patriots organization and their PR team isn't going to do anything about it, then good for the players for standing up for themselves and being like, you know, stop it. Yeah, You know, and I hope, that he gets the entire team together and they just freeze him out. That's what they should do. But, you know, Breer is such an asshole. He's become the absolute worst, I think, uh, with the exception of Bedard. I don't, it's going to be tough for him to surpass Greg Bedard, but he's certainly catching him quickly. Isn't that the truth? Uh, it, it still is a horrifyingly low percentage of the fan base um, that, 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 that has come to terms with the fact that Albert Breer does not have inside information and, uh, and that he, he makes st stuff up. But I, I like the fact that at least some people I'm seeing it on my timeline from people who I know Patriots fans, who I know used to uh, say exactly what you uh, referred to earlier, Rob is uh, he's Breer. He's from here. He has sources. He's tight with the team. Uh, and they have turned to, Oh man, this guy just, Oh, he's reporting on the Patriots. This is made up. Like, so it's not where it needs to be. But people are slowly people are getting, starting, yeah, yeah. They're people starting are starting to, to notice, up. exactly. Um, but yeah, this this idea. First of all, for Jack Jones to uh, to go as far as to uh, you know, a to tag Breer, but also to say on two different occasions in that same post, "Don't lie," like you know, "Don't uh, don't make things up." You think that if there was any way that that story could get out that uh, Jack Jones did mouth off uh, with Bill Belichick that he'd be saying that like, he's not dumb. All right. So uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm shocked at the fact that Breer is so defiant in his response. Like the easiest way to make this go away from his perspective is say, again, this would still be lying, but uh, he could have lied and said, 
hey, uh, the impression that I got from uh, from my source, uh, you know, was that this happened. If uh, if it didn't, I apologize. I mean, people would still call him a weasel, but at least th- there's no way for you to really get on him after that. If he's at least saying, uh, hey, you know what, I'll do better in the future. Instead, he, like Rob says, he doubles down. And he again goes, uh, uh, well, you know, what uh, what I heard uh, was that this did happen. And then again, he goes into the, I think I it's like Rob said before, it's always it's never I got this from a uh, from a source in the organization. It's always my sense is uh, the understanding is, you know, people close to the situation are saying this guy does not have sources in that building. OK, we've talked about it on other podcasts. Uh, the people who have sources in that building are Jim McBride and Field Yates. And that's pretty much it. Uh, like, you know, other guys like Reese are great at, at uh, doing a good job covering the team, but they really don't get much information. Like McBride and Yates have people in that building who will talk to them because they're good at what they do. Everyone else just speculates and makes stuff up and people eat it up. So if more players are going to start doing this, hopefully that changes because certainly, as Rob has pointed out, the accountability uh, is not going to be put on these guys from their uh, employers. Uh, they, they can do whatever they want without consequence. So hopefully players actually speaking up on their behalfs and Jack Jones saying, don't make up lies about me because he's right. This can alter the course of contract talks with, uh, you know, not with his own employer because they know it's not true, but other, you know, potential teams uh, down the line. If, if, uh, if Jack Jones, you know, wants to agree to a contract with another team, uh, if they get this impression that he's a malcontent because they've heard from the uh, Albert Breer that he is, that will affect his career. So yeah, I hope more players start speaking up on their own behalf. I really do. Yeah. And the same thing with, with, uh, with uh, Greg Bedard and Christian Barmore, you know, thankfully that story has pretty much disappeared, but you know, there's still some inklings there. So I, I, I'm, but I am glad that, a lot, a lot of the agents of these players are now on Twitter too. So now that, that they can respond, if the player doesn't respond, they can. So even though it isn't the same, it doesn't have the same oomph as the player responding. So I, I'm glad for that. But yeah, good on you, Jack Jones. Um, gonna gonna be gonna be an awesome awesome player, and even better now that you've done something like this because hopefully that will that's the catalyst to making these uh, reporters quote unquote think twice before printing out something, especially something that is clearly made up because anytime you put, I think next to anything is it's not, it's not you getting it. It's not you um, reporting something off of some, a source or saying that it's just your feelings. And if you're just going to, we might as well all be reporters if we're all going to be talking about our feelings. So yeah, good on you, Jack Jones. Um, we don't have any emails because obviously we've been gone for a month and we'll probably be gone for another month until the season starts. Probably. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll get some, maybe the, uh, uh, the mothership will get something in before then. But yeah, if you do want to email us, you can email us at entitled weekend at gmail.com. Um, uh, Mark is at Mark Baselli 13. Am I, am I getting that right? Ah, I'm by now I should know and and at hoodie supremist is Rob and I'm at atomic dog 5150 and we're at entitled weekend that's the podcast at entitled town is the mothership 
And until next time, turn off your radio, slugs. <laughs>